0: Hi, I'm Tony Cameron brown
1: And I'm Benedict Evans.
0: What were we talking about? <laughs> Sorry.
1: Yeah, after 20 minutes troubleshooting audio recording issues, what were we talking about? AI strategy. So the thing occurred to me...
0: Do we need one?
1: Yeah. Well, it was a conversation I had with the CEO of a big company last year. We said, remember when everybody needed a 5G strategy? And there was a moment sort of three or four, four years ago, five years ago, when it felt like every CEO of every big company had read about 5G in a business magazine or an airplane and when they landed they sent an email to everybody saying what's our strategy for this and for about yeah. six months everyone needed a 5g strategy and there was also a period of about six months when everyone needed a metaverse strategy although we all try and forget about that did we
0: have the same when everyone needed a digital strategy i remember this like 10 years ago like what's our digital strategy as a company and you're like well hmm, d- there you transformation. go that's the yeah. one well
1: But but, but my point is that now there's definitely a kind of last six months. Everyone needs an AI strategy. And there's a difference to 5G in that 5G on the one hand was like a relatively clear and contained and easily explainable technology. But on the other hand, no one actually needed a 5G strategy unless you were like a railway company or something. But like if you were a CPG company, you didn't need a 5G strategy. Uh, Whereas with... AI, you probably mm. do, but it's a lot more difficult even to explain or understand what we mean when we say AI. In fact, I think you know, part of the point is we're still trying to work out what we mean by
0: how we define let's it. Let's
1: get specific. What do we? What? What? It, how do we understand what generative machine learning is and what it means? It's a much harder question to understand than five G, because five G was just a faster pipe. So. An awful lot of AI conversations are what is generative machine learning? How do we think about what it is? What's it going to mean? And that's, we don't have answers to that, clear answers to that yet.
0: And how is it going to impact my company, my industry, and my team yeah. specifically? Yeah.
1: So, and then there's a set of questions about okay, what do I do this year? What would that mean? What does that look like if you're running a large company? And I thought it was interesting to try and pull that apart. And say, well, how do we think about this? There's an old joke about English joke about the Frenchman who says that's all very well in practice, but does it work in theory? And we are sort of at that moment now of yes, we can have a bunch of abstract conversations about what is intelligence really and what does it mean to say that Daniela understands and what's going on. But meanwhile, the CEO of L'Oreal gets up at CES and demonstrates a thing. So. Let's get on with shipping stuff. What are we? What are, what are we going to do? What are we going to, we going to build this yet? And there was a, a slide in 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 my presentation that the, the AI presentation that I did in December, where I said, in a sense, all AI questions come into fall into two categories. The answer is either how does every other platform shift work, or we have no idea. Um,
0: Great place to be in.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. It's either easy or impossible to answer that question. And, and kind of decompose. If one sort of another Frenchman talked to me about decomposing a problem, which is not actually what decompose means, but it's still a good usage of the word.
0: To decompose.
1: Um, yeah, to break apart. He was using it to mean like break apart, but that's not actually what decompose means.
0: Oh, it's one hundred percent a term and a word that I would use on the daily. Yeah, yep.
1: exactly. Um, but but anyway, you you break this apart. So one way that you can break it apart is to say that there is stuff that will be in your operations. And there will be stuff in how you maybe present your product. And then there will be stuff that changes your product and stuff that might change your industry. So, you know, if you're a big CPG company, this will have implications inside your supply chain and product development. And it will have be get used by your marketing people internally. there will be stuff that you do inside that the customer doesn't know about and never sees. Versus how do you use this in customer service? How do you use this in, do you have a chat bot on your website? What would that mean? Um, and versus how might this actually change what the product is? Might this be a new route to market? Is this new a new competitive angle? Do you need to think about people coming in and screwing up your business using this? Uh, so that's one set of bullet points. There's maybe... A second set of bullet points, which is, does this just come from our vendors? Does this just come from Google and Oracle and Salesforce? Versus, does this come from higher level vendors, more specialized vendors? Versus, do we need to go out and buy new product from this? Do we look for startups? How does this? How does this come to us? Do, versus, do we go out and build something ourselves? Um, and then you can say. You can kind of proliferate slides in your AI strategy presentation. Then there's a slide that says um, how much of this is a proof of concept, a demo, a cool keynote for CES, something that will win you an award at can Lions, versus, versus a, versus, a, a tangible, trial so. yeah. versus a real product versus something you might launch and expect to change your business. Um and there's probably a couple of others, but but that's enough to be getting on with. And there's an old formulation in um, tech that you know we underestimate. We overestimate how much stuff will change in a year and, and underestimate how much stuff will change in 10 years. And certainly this is one of the criticisms. One of the problems with with AI doomers is they' all, all sort of seem to be under the impression that like giant companies will like just deploy this stuff this, this summer. That was like a conversation you could have last spring. Like one of the like the big AI doomers was was telling me, oh, well, you know, big industrial companies will just replace their accounting departments with ChatGPT this summer. And the ones that don't will be replaced mm-hmm. by startups that have. Like I say, like giant cement company will be replaced by a new startup that uses ChatGPT in its accounting and has in the last in, in the space of three months will build cement plants. And completely like, uh, this. This stuff does yes. This stuff happens for the sake of argument, but it does not happen in three months or three. It, it takes three years. Yeah,
0: the deployment for that is going to take. Yes,
1: that. The, exactly. the actually turning it into software um, that's not just ChatGPT. In fact, I had another conversation with a, the CIO of a sort of medium sized company in Europe, sort a pan European company. He said, "My my my first exposure to ChatGPT, my first practical CIO job thing from pr- buttons pressing with relation to ChatGPT." or LLMs, is turning off the Microsoft Copilot that Microsoft sprayed all over Office 365 because actually I don't want my back office accounts right payables team suddenly to have an LLM suggesting how they write letters to customers. That they haven't been trained on or that we don't have a policy for because like nothing good will come of that.
0: There's also an element, which is most people that you talk to have barely scratched the surface of actually using these tools themselves on a daily basis, let alone figuring out how they rechange, you know, or how they shift, sorry, how they've been working on something um, or changing a task that they've been doing for years. Yeah. Most people have barely, you know, have barely used, well, they've fiddled around with something like ChatGPT and they've done a couple of things, but that's it. It's super surface level which I find also very interesting, that we're all panicking about this thing, but most people haven't actually used it or implemented it.
1: Yeah, well, so we've got all this stuff about, about how many CEOs, have, have, how many people at C-suite people have, have used ChatGPT in some form, which is basically everybody's. Yeah. Um, but guess what? If you don't write code and you're not brainstorming marketing ideas and you're not like, make a list of half a dozen things, it's very cool, but it's not immediately obvious what you would do with it.
0: And how you implement it on a day to day basis. Yeah.
1: And, you know, you are, and this is an interesting kind of perception, yeah, because there are some people who, who say, well, I'm using this for 10 things every day. There are other people, and, and some of that is like imagination and experimentation. And some of that is actually, no, I don't do those things. Like personally, I don't write code. So you're telling me it's great, I, it wrote all this Perl for me. Well, that's great, but I don't write Perl. I don't have, any, I don't do anything where writing Perl would be useful two or three years ago, I redesigned my website, getting it to write CSS for for me would have been useful. Now I do not do anything that uses code at all. Therefore, a thing that writes code for me is not useful. Now it might be there's an imagination jump and I have to think of, oh, well now I could do this stuff with code, but maybe fine, but right now it's not useful. So you've got that gap between the amazing demo and the use cases, um, which is sort of, and some of that is that conceptualization Mm. of what is this? Some of it is also, though, I mean, there's a, you know, there's like a Steve Jobs line that like, it's not the customer's job to know what the technology yeah, is for. It's a great quote. It's <laughs> not the customer's job to have be given a, a ChatGPT account and told, there you are, go off and reimagine how your company does its back office processes. What actually, ha- and this is also the no-code problem as kind of the inherent cap on no-code applications, that what actually happens is some clever person says, hey, so HR departments, Have this problem processing inbound resumes from graduate recruits out of the university system, and they this piece of software will do this thing. And guess what? That's a billion dollar company. You know, we realize there's this problem inside this kind of department in this side of kind of big company, and what you know if you kind of talk to to people who do enterprise software is the two hardest things that they have are firstly explaining to the person who would use this that this is a problem and that they need it. And secondly, helping them work out, helping that user work out how they can get their company to buy it. In fact, some people would say that is the primary job of an enterprise salesperson is to work out how your customers can buy, is to help your customers work out how to to actually get the thing bought.
0: I saw someone say this the other day, which I thought was very helpful in figuring out how... um how AI could be helpful for you. is just like in in every day-to-day task you're doing, just figure out if there's a tool out there and an AI piece of software out there that can help you do it better. But you have to practically ask yourself, okay, I'm trying to write something. Can this help me do it better? I'm trying to research something. Can this help me research this this piece better? Which I thought was interesting. But again, the amount of work that that takes on individuals to just sort of stop and rethink those habits.
1: There was a habit of thought in... Looking at your work like that and going looking for tasks, tools instead of just doing your work. There's also a harder problem, which is even yes. seeing that you're doing that thing. I mean, this is the because once you're shown it, then you think, oh wow. I mean, this is you. And, you know, sometimes it's obvious. I mean, Dan Brook's story. It's about the first computer spreadsheet. Of course, we forget. No one knows this now, but spreadsheets were originally paper. You can actually still buy them on Amazon. You can buy pads of spreadsheet paper. Like that, you tear off with glue at the end, holding the pre printed spreadsheet paper. And he said, Oh, you could put this on a computer. And he has these stories of us showing this to accountants and then, like, just being flabbergasted that this thing could do in 30 seconds what would take them all day. Uh, Sometimes it's obvious, but an awful lot. If you, you know, just think about, you know, just kind of a useful mental model here that every big company today typically has three, two, three, four hundred SaaS applications. And if you were to, List any one of them. Probably most people could say, "Oh, I could see how that could be a piece of software." Except, but, but, but try sitting down with a blank sheet of paper and writing down four hundred different pieces of enterprise software that a typical enterprise would use, and uh, you know, you have no idea. I mean, you you start, okay, Figma, and Canva, and Mailchimp, and Grammarly, and Calendly, and 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 and, and, and you might get twenty, but. You know, you don't know what the HR department's using. You don't want to know what the accounts people are using. Um, And all of those are software. Now, there's obviously there's a a chat, GPT, LLM idea that that will all get abstracted up and that will just get subsumed into a radically smaller amount of software. But just thinking of those use cases is hard. Um, So there's a whole piece of like, what do you, do with this thing. I mean, I was listening to a um, podcast with Steven Sinoski from, I mentioned sometimes who I used to work with, who who used to run office and he's got stories of going, literally going to investment banks with PC, showing them Excel and trying to talk them into using it. And they're looking at him and going, why would we use that in the, in the 80s? Why do we need that? So you've got this, like this bridge of how would you even work out what the things are? And there's the obvious easy stuff. So, you know, if you are doing a lot of, um, brainstorming and sketching. And, you know, if you are trying to work out what your new points of sale would look like, if you're doing a lot of like product design, retail design, instead of getting lots of people to do sketches, you can use Midjourney. Great. If you don't, if you've never in your life produced an image... Then that doesn't leap out at you. Maybe you will. Maybe that does now change how you can do your work. But like then that's an imaginative leap. The, if you are working in a marketing marketing group, then there is well, we're going to suggest me fifty ideas for this. Suggest me hundred ideas for that. Suggest me twenty slogans. Suggest twenty product ideas. Suggest twenty names for this product or this initiative. Great. If you're not. If if you an accounts payable, that's not a problem that you have. Do you
0: think there's a world in which everyone's also trying to chase efficiency here with this and everyone's looking at these tools as potential ways to be more efficient with our workflow and then we're just missing actually all the other innovative, creative ways that we could use this if we're focusing solely on efficiency?
1: Yeah. Well, so I saw there's a Deloitte survey on this of what do you all think this you're going to use this for? And by far the first answer is is is, is efficiency, which is really automation. There's a lot of people can look at this and it's, it's a relatively easy thing to I look can do at more it, and less to do time. is to look at it and go oh, here's a bunch of stuff that where we could automate away this, here's this repetitive task, write this letter, write, give me 50 variants on the letter that says, thank you very much for X, or we'd like to change your, you know, fill in generic copy, you know, give me a generic, some generic marketing material, and I'll I'll, I'll change it. There's an awful lot of places where you can see that. And, you know, the way I always used to talk about the last wave of machine learning was in giving your infinite interns, Uh, you would like to listen to every call coming into the call center, tell me if the customer's angry. Like an mm. intern can do that, but you couldn't automate it, now you can. And so a lot of these early use cases are again at that.
0: It's also an easy way to gather success metrics of just like, was I successful? Did I do more in less time? Or yeah. do more with less. Yeah. But
1: it's sort of, but it's sort of easy to see I'm going to use this for this this boring grunt work thing that people are doing. And so it's easy to see automation efficiency. Um the same thing with the last wave of machine learning. It's easy to see automation efficiency. It's harder to see stuff that you could just couldn't have done at all. So the entirely new stuff that own is only possible because you have this thing. And so the first wave of machine learning strategy, AI strategy, has been, well, we'll automate this, we'll automate that. Now, if 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 you're in a there's a whole conversation in the marketing industry now of wait a minute, um we're going to have to shift from a cost plus a percentage basis to something else because our customers are not going to pay us to have a bunch of interns sitting around, juniors sitting around stuff that we could do with ChatGPT. And so if we're going to do, have three people doing this in a day with ChatGPT, instead of 10 people doing it in a week by hand, then our customer we're going to charge our customer a lot less and therefore have less absolute margin. So there's a bunch of those sorts of step one conversations. But there's a step two, which is more the sort of Bain, BCG, McKinsey bit of, right, how would this let us do some completely different thing? How might it let someone else do some completely different thing?
0: Is there a world in which it allows people within an organisation to start doing tasks that don't fall directly within their remit? I do you think it's going to allow... People who are used to doing one type of task to get more creative and to actually start doing other people's jobs because they now have the tools that allow them to do this.
1: Yeah. You mean more people can do that creative thing rather than waiting for the for the illustrator or, you know, the, the copywriter or something? Exactly
0: that. Thinking and working in consultancies where you would be like, oh, I have to wait for the design team to be open or have a free slot so that they can help me design a PowerPoint or a presentation for a client and bring Does, my idea to life. Now I can actually go, I don't need to wait for the design team anymore, I can just do it myself.
1: Uh, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I think part of the, the, the one of the primary filters here is, it's back to the error rate question is, is this external facing? Is this going to leave the company and be seen by a consumer? In which case, you've got one set of tests. If it's internal brainstorming, this horrible word ideation, trying to work out ideas, you know, getting mock-ups together, getting suggestions for what this for what this might be, um, then that becomes much much easier. You know, you no longer wait for that, but need to wait for the the illustrator to make the sketch. You can just get it done, but. You know, producing the final version, you probably do still still need to do that. Yeah, again, it's the intern point. You don't actually ship what the interns do, or at least not without checking.
0: One would hope. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just wondering, like, how that's going to shift dynamics inside of teams where we no longer. Yeah, we all start. It's just going to be an interesting model where I can imagine the illustrators or the designers going, "Oh, you think you're a designer now? Go on." go at, have at it but, but we have this
1: thing i mean think about how many times we had this before I and mean, this, remember the whole yeah. like church newsletter school newsletter thing like desktop publishing now anybody can do fonts so we don't need graphic designers anymore well guess what there's a lot more graphic designers now than they were in 1980 um and this is class. this is i wrote this thing in last summer about ai and, and employment saying like if you make something cheaper and easier and more accessible then quite often you have more people doing it not fewer if suddenly anybody can produce a beautiful, can produce, um, can make a poster with fonts, that doesn't mean you have fewer graphic designers. It means you have more. And you could kind of, you know, that you know, that, I like that, that seems like a kind of a useful mental model mm. here as well. It's the same thing with, with spreadsheets. You know, once everybody has a spreadsheet, you don't have fewer accountants. You have more cadence, and you have more people doing more analysis because now the answer to that question can be half an hour rather than two weeks. So actually, you ask more questions. There's a there's a sort of a longer term. I mean, there's there's a, there's a jump here, which is again, um, what do you do this year? Last year? This year? How do you think about what it's going to be next year and the year after? And you know, a thread across of what I, a lot of I've I've just been saying is. There's this kind of funny paradox that people look at LLMs and say, oh, well, then the, what this is going to destroy is it's going to destroy um, cons- law firms and consultancies. Hmm. And guess what? ChatGPT is like a giant job creation scheme for lawyers and yeah. consultancies <laughs> <laughs> because the lawyers have to work out who we're suing and what all the new contracts look like. And the consultancies, people actually have to go and deploy all of this stuff. And... Yeah, that might be some of that conversation is a Bain-BCG-McKinsey conversation, and some of it is a Accenture-Infosys-KPMG-IBM kind of a conversation. I mean, I remember explicitly having this conversation when I was at A16Z instead of the peak machine learning wave, where I don't know, say sort of 2015-16, where the question is, how do we work out what we could automate with machine learning? And the answer is, go talk to IBM. Or, or whoever it is that is deeply integrated, your deeply integrated IT, existing IT consultant, who is it that is already deeply embedded in your organization, building boring computer stuff, ask them to do the project because they know what all the boring computer stuff is. So they are much better placed to know what you would do with machine learning. Um, and the same thing kind of applies now.
0: It was interesting because when you, you had the question, you know, which is the question that we're, we're talking about right now, which is what's your AI strategy? And you had a look at what Deloitte produced and Gartner produced and McKinsey. What was interesting is looking at, you know, they all had ideas of what the AI strategy could be, but it was fascinating how they all had very different approaches and very different answers to that question, what your AI strategy should be. Do you think there's any through lines of how we should be thinking about this that are actually correct or that everyone seems to agree on or Mm -hmm. do you think everyone's approaching it completely differently?
1: I think there's some standard common things, which is everyone has played with ChatGPT in mid journey. Everybody has done some POCs, proofs of concept. Everybody has talked to their marketing people. Everybody has, a lot of people hopefully have had the conversation about what data leaves our company. What data is it okay to put in? And of course, that's going to vary a lot by who you are like if you're in healthcare or you're consulting an
0: industry yeah
1: like lawyers consultants healthcare have got and bankers have got one set of rules have got the much more aggressive rules about client data and so on customer data user data health um there's a
0: god yeah and sharing customer data and using it to help each other versus keeping it separate that's another interesting one yeah
1: yeah it's just like a simple point like you know if you want to work on something in mid-journey in principle your prompts are in a public discord channel (laughs) <laughs> whoa yeah. wait a minute yeah, yeah yeah imagine imagine a lawyer at any professional services firm looking at that
0: he's saying i'm sorry you're doing what now where are you putting this information who has access to it yeah yeah who else can sit who is, Stop who can that sit? right now yeah
1: uh, yeah so that's a problem um, i mean that can get that that specifically can get chat can get sold but you know it just illustrates the point of how early this is that mid-journey is probably still the best product and it's still on, <laughs> still on discord it's still on discord I mean, jesus christ people
0: I mean there's definitely a reasoning for that but yes that's fascinating that it's still yes there. i
1: know but it's also you know so, so it's also very material for a lot of the, the best potential customers so and then again that just illustrates how amazingly early this is like this is not difficult mid journey isn't even a product yet we're all talking about it it's not actually a product it's still like an engineer like a, a dorm room it looks like a dorm room hack it doesn't look like a you know from a product site. Um, so, 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 so we kind of loop around this, like, what's your AI strategy? Like point I made at the beginning of our chat was everything I've kind of just said, you could have said about cloud. It's like, how does the platform shift work? Should we have a mobile app? Uh, it's, it's very similar to sort of, you know, what should we do with, 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 with Ellen, should we have a chatbot? Is this Alexa that works? It's like, should we have a mobile app? Well, okay, let's, it kind of depends. Uh, and then the other class is that no one knows questions. And some of that is also a platform shift question, which is, you know, what new and in- new startups are going to come in and try and disrupt our business world? Well, like, if we knew that, then it would be a lot easier, life would be a lot easier. But some of it is also like how far, how much more capable will, will these models get? How broadly diffused will the capability be? Will they remain a relatively small number of large capital intensive models? Will it spread out? There's a huge amount of effort now into getting smaller more diffuse models, putting models on the edge, you know, breaking them apart into things that can even run on a smartphone and so on. Um, and what kind of what will regulation look like? Will will we get to a model in which this is like databases and there's hundreds of like asking how many models there are? It's like asking how many databases there are. Will there be like three giant models and everyone has to use them? And if you're like, you know, if you're a big CPG company at one level, you don't really care because that's like a problem for your vendors. Does your your vendor have their own model or are they wrapping something on OpenAI? You you kind of care, but it's not not an existential question the way it is for them. Some of it is obviously you know, how good will this thing get? Well, that's a much bigger question for a media company. Are we going to get to the point that I can type in a script and give kind of scene directions and say, no, pan left, pan right, zoom in, and the model will just do it. Uh, or are we still going to be at this very, indeter- very indeterminate um, sort of quasi-random production that you get from Mid Journey and Runway and things like that? Like, There's all sorts of big science questions. Will this thing be intelligent or not?
0: It's far less specific than, for example, like the 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 five g strategy in that it we it could go anywhere, which is what I find fascinating is you don't know what to keep an eye out on. You don't know what you should be focusing yeah. on because it truly is across all industries. It could be across any type of task and daily task or creative tasks that we're doing that we can, that we should be keeping an eye out for, which what is what makes it both fascinating, but also really tricky to figure out where, where this is heading next.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's also, you know, the other aspects of this, you know, there's a classic economics formulation that, you know, efficiency gains tend to be competed away. So everybody, if you and all your competitors deploy this, is the end result just that, you'll have roughly the same margins, roughly the same business. We've all raised the roughly bar. the same number of people. Yeah. Um, except that now you've got everyone's using LLMs, which is, you know, for the sake of argument, what you know, certainly what's happened to a bunch of other technologies. Um And so, or does this, you know, enable like structurally new margins or something else? Or does this, where does this change your economic structure? Which is, again, is one of those sort of no one really knows, but how do do platform shifts tend to work kind of a question.
0: It seems to be that that's often the case when you have, you know, what's our insert strategy? Um, It's like, how can we get ahead of our competitors? And whereas with this one, it's to your point, are we all... Are we all going to be raising the bar at the same time? Like, can anyone actually get ahead of the curve? And can anyone get ahead of their competition right now? And that seems pretty trickier.
1: Well, there's a classic story about, you know, the young, bright young consultant. He comes up with a brilliant strategy and goes and pitches it to a big industrial company. And the CEO says, is anyone else doing this? And the consultant says, no. And he thinks that's a good answer. And it's it's, not a good answer. (laughs) The correct answer would be your competitors. Absolutely, they're all your, doing The this. correct answer would be your competitors are almost certainly working on this as well.
0: Um, which definitely feels like that's what we're in right now. Um, when we are looking at like, what's your AI strategy? What, um, what else should we be thinking about, or who else is thinking about what's what's your AI strategy? Are there any industries do you think that are ahead of the curve here?
1: Well, there's industries where. The obvious and early use cases are more concentrated, that is to say it's easier to see this if you're writing a lot of software and it's easier to see this if you are in a field that does a lot of text and image based brainstorming and ideation, so basically advertising and marketing companies on the one hand and software companies on the other. Uh, if you are a a large um, CPG company, you know if you're you know if you're a cement company or you make like large capital goods or something like. Much as obvious. However, we, and those people are thinking more about, like, how do we get an LLM to, how do we point an LLM at our internal knowledge base and make it easier to find stuff in our library of 2000 PDFs? Again, that feels like a version one or version step one or step 1.1 use case. But there's an awful lot of the chat GPT wrappers last autumn were all doing that. I will wrap chat GPT. I will point it at your Dropbox of three thousand PDFs, not literally drop. Sometimes literally a Dropbox of three thousand PDFs. I will synthesize an answer for you to respond to this query from a customer, or to respond to this query from a support person, or an engineer, or something. And I'll link you to the right PDFs. Uh, again, is this a, that's this, this conceptual question? Is this a synthesis and summary system? Because that's a synthesis and summary use case, or is it? Is it something, can, are we on a path for this to be some kind of a reasoning engine? And so if you are, you know, if you're in the drug discovery business, that's an important question.
0: I feel like it's going to, I don't know, I feel like it's going to change the the film industry a, a lot as well. I know we're further out from that, but I, I, I've been looking at a couple of friends of mine who are trying to lower the barrier to entry in the film industry of just like creating trailers. And that's just been fascinating to watch of just like, yeah, I can. I can create a four-minute trailer using fourteen different AI technologies right now, and it's just interesting. Of but to your point, it means that there's going to be more people creating more trailers for more movies versus less.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a very kind of blue sky suggestion that I can't remember. I saw somebody make the suggestion that if the US co- if a copyright office has really come down on the idea, get get very restrictive on granting copyright to stuff created with these tools. Um, then we could have a period in which there's just this sort of explosion of content, all of which is license-free. Um, and what would that mean? Um, if you, if you, you know, one part to think about where these models might go, and certainly this is a thing for, say, the porn industry, is you can just say, "Make me," because that's you know, you don't, you know, in porn you don't need like 90 minutes and have everything perfectly composed. You know, it's whatever the average viewing time is, like single-digit number of minutes. You know, make me a scene. In which the following things happen, and the people look like this.
0: My God, do they have an archive of library to to learn from?
1: Oh, they have an awful lot. There's an awful lot of labeled content out there. Yes, uh, so that you know that you know, we know we've talked a lot about music. Like, make me a song that sounds like this. Make me a video clip that sounds like this. Make me a, a an X that sounds like Y. Um. We talked about generative, a lot of people talked about generative search this time last mm. year, but generative content in general, generative stuff, Amazon is overrun. You know, if you saw this link, if you search, if could search Amazon for, um, I'm sorry, that would break open OpenAI's terms of service. Wow. And you've just got huge numbers of marketplace products where literally the name of the product is, I'm sorry, I can't name a product for you. It's just kind of lazy spammers firing stuff, like the fire hazing stuff into Amazon's APIs, listings API. That there'll be a lot of that. Um lots of lots of interesting new problems. that, that takes us a fair way away from the, the underlying question, like well, what's our what's our RAI strategy? There is a plot, there's a piece of this which is it's a new platform. So you evaluate it the way you evaluate cloud and mobile and SaaS and everything else. Like what do you buy, what do you build, what's internal, what's external, what new capabilities what does is it allow for this or yep. for that or for that? You You break it apart into, you know, 10 slides with three or four bullet points on each one of them. The other answer is, what is this going to mean for creating new makeup or creating new clothes? Do we have generative search for clothes? Can I go to Shein and ask for X and Y and it will give me 10 options and I pick one and that just arrives tomorrow and it didn't exist until I picked it? Maybe. I can't rule that out. Now, that's a much more profound change than an apparel retailer having a a chatbot that can reply to questions like what would be good to wear to a wedding or, you know, I need a new summer wardrobe, which is what we're starting to see today.
0: Which is doing things better the way we were doing it before versus we're doing something completely different that we didn't.
1: Versus, is there some? Is what are the paths to create entirely new things? If you think about things like Uber or an Airbnb, which is like the canonical software eats the world thing, as much as anything else, about using networks to fundamentally change how an industry might might function instead of having centrally owned assets or distributed assets for taxis, you create you create a network in some sense. It's a two sided network or something. So, what would the equivalent of networks be for for this? Who is going to come and disrupt you? Because yeah,
0: how are we approaching it completely yeah. differently. Yeah. And
1: imagine Hilton saying, "What's all or, or you know, Hilton or Addison Lee saying, you know, what's our what what's our internet strategy? Well, you should have online bookings, and you should have loyalty, and you should have listings, and you should be buying search ads, and oh shit, like what's this Airbnb thing?"
0: I like that. That feels like the best way of actually looking at someone's or anyone's AI strategy is those two big buckets of just like, what is it helping us? do better the tasks that we're currently doing today and then the new kind of questions and problems that it's bringing up for us and allowing us to think about things completely differently, which is obviously far more exciting, um, but we're probably further away yes, from that.
1: We, we are, and we are to a degree that's kind of new, really scrambling to yes. think about what is this and how much is this still changing, which is the last, you know, it's kind of what mobile smartphones felt like, like... What is this? How fast is this going to move? What is this going to mean? What can people build on it? And the
0: assumptions that we made of how we were going to use it versus how we ended up using it are quite, it's quite a gap between those two in some cases.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so we'll come back in, in June and, and do this again. <laughs> What's our AI strategy now, Tony?
0: Oh, God. Are we f- and that will be interesting because it is, the, it, what is it? You always say this, it's either going to move much slower, or much faster than we expect it to. And God knows where we'll be in six months from now that's a good place to speak wrap up soon. speak you it soon it is bye